guys are excited. Week two of our spiritual disciplines. Last week was basically just an introduction uh, to what, what spiritual disciplines is all about. If you didn't uh, watch it or attend, I would encourage you to go back. This is one of those series that you're not going to want to miss a week. So whether you're streaming online, welcome to everybody who's watching online. We love you. You're amazing. And uh, this is going to be something uh, they are, will all be posted to our Facebook page. So go on there. You can rewatch them. They'll be live on our Facebook page like minutes after the service is over. So at any point you can go and watch. Or if there's some, one of these uh, is really connecting with you. We even have a lot of people uh, watching from uh, different states and stuff where family members or friends will encourage someone like, hey, I really watch this message, check it out. So feel free to share it and uh, let people know. But really, uh, let's recap uh, last week. We, we talked about spiritual disciplines are, are not actually a practice of showing off our spiritual strengths. These aren't this, this thing that we do just to show everybody how spiritual we are, how amazing we are, how great we are, how, how different we are. No, spiritual disciplines aren't about showcasing our strengths. It's actually a practice of learning to understand your weaknesses. Your disciplines actually show the areas that need some work. It actually showcases the things like, whoa, I was not good at that. I need to work on it. It helps identify the parts in your life of faith that need to grow. They need to grow. It allows us essentially to become less and less so Jesus can become greater and greater. We need to decrease and Jesus needs to increase. Pastor Renee, you said that well, that, that really the only good thing inside of me is the presence of Jesus, right? I want to become less. I want to become more made into the image of God. Spiritual disciplines is a practice that helps us do that. They are not attitudes. This is not an emotion or a feeling. They are not attitudes. They are activities. They are things that we do. Activities focused on being, not doing. And I hit this really hard last week. This idea of this isn't just so that we can uh, make a list of do's and don'ts so we can feel righteous. No, no, we were made righteous by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We were made righteous by what he did, his complete work. It was enough to be made righteous. But this is about being. It's about being with Jesus and being transformed to be like Jesus and to live like he lived. Basically, a spiritual discipline um, is that thing is something that we do that when we apply it to our life we grow in our faith and I asked you guys I said hey are you willing to go on this journey with me and I think 98% there was like one holdout in the room I think there's like I'm not raising my hand this sounds terrible I want nothing to do with what you're saying but no we were all said hey yeah we're in we're in for this we're in for this journey and so today we're gonna start that journey and this is just a reminder as well um, if we dive into this topic and you're like, I want to spend way more time on this topic, me too. Uh, Wednesday nights, uh, uh, throughout this whole series, um, if depending on how many people come, we'll either be in the Life Center or we'll be in the South Lobby, but we're actually going to do roundtable style discussions on the topic. So if you're like, I'd love to journey with a friend. I'd like to make a friend. I want to talk about this more. I love this topic. Whatever it is, just show up on Wednesday night. Is there a registration link, Alex? I think there might have been a, is there a slide? with the registration link or no? No, great. Uh, so just show up, just show up. We'll see how many people come and it's gonna be great. It will just, uh, um, 7 p.m., 7 p.m. Wednesday nights, uh, we'll be doing that for, for midweek. It'll line up right with all of our kids and youth programming 
as well. I know the Royal Rangers have an awesome uh, derby car race going on. They're going to be raising some money Wednesday night. I'm making a derby car, by the way. I'm going to race a derby car down that track. Um, but just there's something for everybody. You can bring the whole family on, on Wednesday nights. It'll be awesome. So that's the recap. And then uh, today we're going to dive into um, our first spiritual disciplines here. But before we do, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to come and share your word. Lord, I pray that this series would help us, Jesus, not to look more like ourselves, but more like you, Jesus. Would, would, would you help us to grow? And, and Father, would this not be a discouraging series for people, but an encouraging one, Lord Jesus? Would this be helpful? Um, Jesus, help show us the, through your life the, the tools that we can utilize to grow in our faith, to live an amazing life for you, Jesus. We love you. We praise you. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So the first spiritual disciplines that we are going to tackle in this week is silence and solitude. Silence and solitude. And I honestly wanted to jump in with these disciplines because for me, they're, they're not natural. When I talk about like, hey, if, if a discipline comes really easy to you, that's probably not one you need to work on. This does not come really easy to me. Nothing about silence and solitude is natural for me. And yet, I have found that my greatest moments with Jesus, my greatest moments that I've had have been as a byproduct of engaging in the discipline of silence and solitude. Because we live in a world, right, where let's start with like, let's say solitude. We live in a world where it, we, we kind of shame people if they're loners, right? Like loners, that's, that's weird. Like you don't want to be a loner. Like, like the guy or gal who goes to the movies by themselves, right? And they're just like, everyone's like, why is he by himself at the movies at like 2 p.m. in the afternoon? But let me argue this. I've done it one time. I've gone to the movies by myself one time. It was awesome. They are lying to you. It is amazing to go to the movie by yourself. You want to know why? You get to pick whatever movie you want. There's no input. There's no argument. There's, there's no discussion. Just, what are you feeling? Go watch it. You can eat as much snacks as you want. There's zero judgment. They won't judge you. And you're going to get the biggest popcorn. You can get the candy, and you can get the large Coke. You can have all of it. You can eat a milk dud and take a drink of Coke, and nobody cares. Is that disgusting to you? It's not to me. That's what the movies are all about, right? There's, there's some joy in doing movies alone. I literally only one time got up the nerve to like, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go to a movie by myself. And I loved it. It was a great experience. But our world would say, hey, you're alone. Why are you alone? Where, where, where is everybody? Why are you off doing that by yourself? There's, there's kind of this natural bias. I think it goes all the way back to like the lunchroom, right? Like you just didn't want to sit alone at a lunch table, right? Like there's like, I just don't want to be the one who doesn't have someone to go with. How many of you are the people that you won't show up to like a dinner party or an event unless you have someone to go with you? You're like, I'm not walking in alone. No, no, I'm not going to. Come on, let's time it out. Let's drive together. Let's show up at the same time, right? Because we don't want to be loners. And I, it won't take any a bit of convincing to make us know that, that uh, there is a value in the world, it seems, for noise, right? So solitude is kind of an odd concept to start with, but silence is even weirder because when is it actually silent? There is always noise. There is always noise. It's constantly, and, and, and for me, a lot of my noise comes from all the content that's coming at me all the time. 
right? Society says never be alone. It says consume more content. Content is so readily available that, that you can pick and choose whatever you want. I had this interesting moment. Um, we were, found one of our last boxes that we hadn't unpacked since moving uh, into our new house, and it was the DVD box. And we opened it up, and my son, has, who's almost three, has no clue what a DVD is, right? He's like, what is this, Daddy? And he's like holding up an Iron Man DVD. And he walked around with it like it was a toy because it had the picture on it. Like he thought it was cool because it was a DVD. But he'd never seen it. We, we don't even have a DVD player anymore. I don't even know why we still have DVDs. It's like, are they worth money one day? Probably not. Um, but we have this box of DVDs and he has no clue what it is. Why? Because at any moment, he can decide, he knows at a push of a button, I can play Iron Man on Disney+. Plus. Like that DVD is completely irrelevant. Think about this. It, for, for all the like aunts and uncles and grandparents out there, you can't just buy a movie for a kid anymore for Christmas. That's never going to be a thing anymore. used to be like if you didn't know what to get someone, just buy them a movie, right? <laughs> it's like 15 bucks, DVD, there you go. It's gone because it's all available. All of those movies, all of them are available at the click of a button. Right? It's all there. The content, there's so much content. And it gets so noisy. It gets so loud. And, and it continues to, to grow and grow and grow. And, and honestly, when the world gets too noisy, for me, everything starts to sound like nonsense. And I found this this week. There's just so much talk. There's so many different perspectives. There's so many different arguments. There's so much division. There's so much noise. And all of a sudden, you start going, what do I believe? What do I think? Who am I again? What, what's going on? Where am I going? What's my direction? It gets so loud. It gets deafening. And it grows, and it grows, and it grows. But here's what's interesting is silence and solitude are not valued in our culture, but they have been valued in Christianity since the beginning. Like this is all through the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. It's, it's all over scripture. It's all over ter early church history. It's all over our history. And yet it's something that we are losing the value of. What does it mean to go get silent? We need to learn church to find solace in silence and solitude. There is going to be so much that you can gain from this spiritual discipline. Well, it's just, I don't know. I just don't really do quiet well, Pastor Sam. Neither do I. But I've learned because it's a discipline. And so I got to get quiet. I got to work hard to get quiet. I have to work hard to get alone, right? And, and it takes effort. But silence and solitude, when we get away with God, it adjusts our fear. Let me explain this to you. It shifts our focus from the fear of man to the fear of God. Because being surrounded by man-made stuff and people, everything that's man, 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 it keeps our focus on the fear of man. And realize that our trust naturally follows our fear. This may sound odd. What do I mean? Our trust naturally follows our fear. Let me give you a really simple example. If you fear bankruptcy, your trust is in your savings account. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my trust in things according to what I fear. So if I fear this inevitable result, I'm going to put my trust in the thing that will keep it from happening. Our trust naturally follows that fear. And when we get away with God, it reminds us who's in control. 
It reminds us who is in control. It realigns our healthy fear of God. Wait, God, you're so much bigger than my situation. You're so much bigger than my issues. You're so much bigger than these problems. I don't need to have this fear of man. I, I can get away from the noise. I can get away from the nonsense. And I can be reminded that my healthy fear of the Lord means I put my trust in God first. I'm going to put my trust in things of his kingdom. I'm going to put my trust in who he is. It's hard to trust major life decisions as a believer in my mind without time away with God. We're talking right now with somebody wanting to make a big decision about maybe moving here, being a part of the church, and, and my response always is, hey, you got to get a God word. You got to get a God word. This happens a lot in ministry. People will move state lines to join a ministry or to, to, to join up on something, but I know that if I convince them to come, I'm going to have to convince them to stay, right? If I call them here, I have to sustain them here, but if God calls them here, God will sustain them here. Now, I don't have to do all that work, so if God wants you here, come. If he doesn't, that's great, but I'm not going to do the convincing. You need a God word for that kind of a decision. You need to know, hey, man, I got spoke, and I heard, and I'm listening, and I'm living according to that. And I need to be able to trust that. We need to get those words from God. It helps us get away. And here's the thing. Jesus made a regular, and I'm moving quick here. i got to keep moving quick just for the sake of time. <clears throat> he made a regular practice of prayer and solitude, of getting time away in silence and solitude. And, and let me tell you, church, he invites us to do the same. But his reasoning may be different than, than we would initially assume. You think about the Son of God going away into silence and solitude. What if it had less to do with showing everybody that was following him how strong he was in his faith? Hey guys, I'm Jesus. I know you, I'm really spiritual, so I'm going to go away to the mountain because I'm really spiritual. Or I don't know if you know this, but, but I'm Jesus, so I need to get away from you guys because I just need, I need to go show you all what it looks like to be spiritual. I need to show you all what it means to get away with God and, and, and give you this example. Was it that? Or did it have more to do with reminding himself how weak he was without God? Oh, pastor, that's sacrilegious. You can't say Jesus was weak. Really? Then why did the angels have to tend to him in the desert? Why, why, was he, why was he sweating blood and, and, and just gripped with, with this struggle in the garden before he, he died on the cross? Why, why? Because he was fully man and he was fully God. There was a flesh side to who he is because he relates with us. He understands the weakness of our flesh. And he knew, hey, with, if I'm going to have this weakness placed on me, if, I'm, if my spirit is going to occupy this flesh body, then I'm going to need some help from God to actually stay holy in the midst of this shell. I'm, I'm going to need to get away. I'm going to need to pull away because I know that I'm weak. Because I know that I need to be strengthened. Because I know that I need God to do what he's asked me to do. I, if Jesus didn't need his Father in heaven at all while here on earth, I don't think he would have spent this much time with him. I don't think he would have. But no, he said, I, I know that I need this. I need to be reminded, hey, Jesus, God strengthen me because that my flesh is weak. And, and, and here's the thing. Actually, the Apostle Paul understood weakness and solitude as well. He practiced the way of Jesus, and he often withdrew. And in regards to points of weakness, he said this. He, he talked about a thorn in his side, something he kept praying, God, take this, this temptation from the devil. Take this pain from the devil away from me. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he said, but, 
But he said to me, God responded to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. I'm going to boast about where I'm weak. I'm going to boast about the struggle. I'm confident in going and getting away with God and being reminded of my flesh, reminded that I'm weak, reminded that I'm not strong enough without God. You see, enough time away from silence and solitude with God, all of a sudden you start believing you could do it on your own. All of a sudden you start believing that, that you start putting your trust in what you fear, and what you fear is titles, what you fear is money, what you fear is approval. And so you start putting your trust in your ability to gain these things. But then we get alone with God and we get reminded, oh wait, I can't build my life. I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough. I'm weak. And I need you, God. It's a reminder of our weakness. And the discipline of getting alone with him does an amazing work. And Mark, the book Mark, is a great book to amplify this invitation of joining Jesus in solitude. Believe it or not, Mark was, of, of, of the Gospels, right? He was, he's the quickest at telling the story of Jesus. And yet he makes space to focus on the silence and solitude moments that marked the life of Jesus, no pun intended. He, he, he took time. So it's the, it's the fastest of, of, of all of them, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Between Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Mark says it the fastest. It's the shortest. And, and there's parts where it almost feels like he's leaving stuff out. He's just cruising through the story. And, and yet, he emphasizes the silence and solitude of Jesus. I, I believe it, it, may have mar- it may have been something that he really noticed. And goes, ah, what's going on here? He he didn't skip that part. Wouldn't that have been an easy part, Jesus going away to pray? Wouldn't that be an easy part just to skip? And then there's other parts that he needs to amplify, and yet he doesn't. He keeps time and time again bringing up these different moments where Jesus withdrew, where he withdrew. And, And there's actually 23 instances in the Gospels where Jesus practices the spiritual disciplines of silence and solitude. I I thought about just like power reading all 23, but I shortened the list. Don't worry. But there's 23 instances, different instances of Jesus doing this spiritual discipline. Even just hearing that number, isn't that surprising? That, That in three years span of time, we hear about 23 moments. We hear so little. I mean, I would give anything for more on the life of Jesus. Oh, I mean, to hear more about from 12 when he's in the temple to 30 when he starts public ministry, I'm like, give me more. I want to talk about those 18 years. What was he doing? What was it like? Honestly, my thought is, what disciplines were he create? Was he building into him before he even started? What routines? What did the structure of his life look like? <clears throat> but we don't know. But 23 times there's space created, 23 different instances for us to see what withdrawing from the world around him, withdrawing from the noise, and withdrawing from men that, that had an effect on Jesus. Let me read a few of them. Mark 1.12, it says, At once the Spirit sent Jesus out into the desert, and he was in the desert for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild an- animals, and angels attended to him. Here's an example where he withdrew, and he was prepared. See, it's interesting. He got weak because of his fast, but he was preparing for his public ministry. So there's a withdrawing moment with Jesus where he had to prepare for something. I would encourage you, if you're preparing for something, you better withdraw. It might be like just, it, it, it could be finals. 
as a college student. It, it, it could be a, a, a major deal you're trying to figure out as a businessman. It might be, it might be something relational and you're trying to make, right, right, you're trying to get prepared for marriage and you're engaged. I, I, don't, I don't know what it, if you're preparing for something that's coming, I would encourage that you withdraw because Jesus would withdraw and get prepared. <clears throat> Mark 1.35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And everyone was looking for Jesus, but after his time in prayer, he told the disciples that it was time for them to move on to another village. He withdrew and he found direction. He withdrew and he found direction. So, so here he's going... He's trying to figure out where to go. I honestly believe this. Jesus taught about, about walking in step, right? That, 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 that our, our life is literally a path and we are to walk that path out. I think that Jesus may not have had as much of a master plan in his mind than we think he did. About every single destination, he seems to allow God to direct him. He goes off, he prays, and he changes course. He goes to places like, why did he go to the region of the Gardenes where the, 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 the demoniac was? That felt random, but God led him there. And we know that then that man that he freed of the demons actually went and was a missionary to countless people, right? It just seemed odd, but I think it's because God, or Jesus what was a leader who would withdraw and get direction. So he would withdraw and he'd get prepared. He'd withdraw and he'd find direction. And Jesus went out later, it says in, in, in Luke 6 and Mark 3.13, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, and then he began to teach them. We also see that he withdrew and he found wisdom. He found wisdom. He would withdraw, and then he would preach fervently. He would teach. He would have something to pass on to people. He wasn't just doing it from his own strength. He would, his silence and his solitude with God would bring something to him. Also, we see in Matthew 14, 13, when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded, his reaction was he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Here we see him withdraw and he found comfort because we know that Jesus was a leader who would weep at the death of Lazarus. And we know that he was close with John the Baptist. There was a relationship. John the Baptist, in fact, was the one who baptized him in the Jordan River. And he finds out he was beheaded. His cousin lost his life. And so he withdraws. He gets alone. He gets alone. And he finds comfort. Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray in Luke chapter 6 and Mark uh, 3. Oh, I already read that one. I already read that one. We're going down. There we go. Mark 6, 31 through 32. Because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. So Jesus said to his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Here he's actually teaching silence and solitude to his disciples. And so he withdrew and he found rest. Who's weary? Who's weary? You're just exhausted. You feel like you've been, I hear this phrase all the time. I say it all the time. I just feel like I've been turned on for a long time. I feel like I'm just having to be on, game on. Especially if you've got little kids at home, you know what this is like. You come home from work and you gotta be on. It's crazy, right? All the responsibility, you feel like you have to be on all the time. Jesus made a practice because let me tell you, Jesus had to be on. Anytime he was around people, he had to be on. So he made a practice of rest. Say, hey, I'm not gonna burn out. I'm gonna rest. If Jesus needed to find rest in silence and solitude, you probably should too. Mark 14, 26, and Luke 22, 39 talks about when Jesus and his disciples had sung a hymn. They went to the Mount of Olives, 
And this was Jesus's, Luke tells us that this was Jesus's usual place to pray when he was in Jerusalem. He withdrew and he found strength. Now, now I thought this a little interesting and I'm just, I, I didn't have time to research this. The fact that Luke would call it a, his usual place when he was in Jerusalem, during those three years of active ministry, they didn't spend a lot of time in Jerusalem. I wonder if this is actually a little glimpse into some of his practices even before that when he would visit Jerusalem growing up, he already had a place to pray. He already knew where to pray before he even went public in his ministry, that he already had his place of silence. He had his place of solitude everywhere he went. And if he had a usual place in Jerusalem, do you think he had other usual places? Do you think he created spaces that he went back to and said, hey, this is my practice. This is my discipline. When I'm here, this is where I retreat because I got to be able to retreat. I got to be able to retreat. Just, I, I, those are the types of things that I, I, it's just thinking, and, and I'm not saying that that's true, but, but he had a usual place to pray. So Jesus didn't go into silence and solitude simply to resolve issues. He went to spend time with God whose very nature is to resolve issues. You see, he's going, uh, every single one of these instances, he comes out with solutions. He comes out with wisdom. He comes out with peace. He comes out with rest. He comes out with hope. But over and over again, he just goes to get away with God. He just goes to get away with God, and God brings him precisely what he needed in that moment. He, he, he went not to do, but to be. This was about doing. This, this wasn't about doing. This was about being with his Father. And... and, and I wonder, when was the last time you approached a significant, the keys can come on up, a significant portion of time with God and you had no agenda? You see, if you, if you created the agenda, your agenda means you're driving the purpose. And Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who called according to his purpose. His purpose. You're not going into silence and solitude with your purpose. You're going to learn about his purpose for you. It's a big difference. You see, and what this, the difference is when we go to God without an agenda in silence and solitude, we stop being so reactionary. And can I tell you that reactive disciplines will never take you as far as proactive disciplines. So I want to make a pre-decision on what this is going to be about, not a post-decision. I don't want to be reactive to every single thing that comes my way. I want to be proactive and say, hey, I'm going to have a consistent time of silence and solitude so that I'm not always having to dive into silence and solitude in a panic when everything goes terribly. I want this to be a regular part of my life. I want it to be consistent. I want to figure out what that looks like. You, if you want to get aligned with, with, with his assignment, you, you have to die to your agenda. You've got to go to him. You've got to spend time with him. You need to be with him. But you're going to get direction from your discipline. This discipline of silence and silence, it's going to help. Look again. Look at all the things. Jesus got prepared. He, Jesus found direction. Jesus found wisdom. He found comfort. He found rest. He found strength. All by taking time in silence and solitude with his Father. Taking time with God. He found these amazing things. They're offered to you as well. He's saying that Hey, that same spirit that I have, I'm going to give it to you. And you can now have this same relationship with the Father that I had. You could even do greater things than I did. But we need to begin the practice of following Jesus' example. And I know that there's a thousand reasons in your mind why you can't get silent, why you can't find solitude. 
What's interesting is the one thing I love about Jesus is we see some really dramatic times. There's times where he did it for five days, 40 days. There's times where he did it for a few hours. There's times where he did it for an evening. It all varied. It all varied. There was times he tried to do it and people caught up with him too fast. And he didn't get his time. But he chose to minister to them anyways. There's enough examples to see that there's not a perfect solution. You don't immediately, this doesn't only work when you have three whole days. And I'll say this, uh, a practice that I have, and I've been doing this for years, and my wife can attest to this, is I do at least once a year, I do a two-night, three-day solitude retreat. I've done it in multiple locations and places, depending on where we are. I have a favorite place that I like to go, and this little cabin, and and, and it's, it, it's, it's a time where, where I just isolate. And, and I just hear from heaven. There's no, I'm not, there's no devices. There's no anything. Like a radical, like I'm turning off all noise for three whole days. You're like, that sounds real dramatic, Pastor Sam. Maybe. What's interesting, though, is it's only hard for a couple hours. And then all of a sudden, you realize how tired you are, and you sleep for like 14 hours. <laughs> and then you wake up, and you feel refreshed, and you go on a walk. God's presence starts meeting you there. Peace starts falling into your spirit. All of a sudden, he starts speaking to you about things you weren't even thinking about because your agenda is finally dying. And now he can talk to you about what he actually wants to talk to you about, not what you keep bringing him with. You keep badgering him with the same problems, and he wants to talk to you about the solution to your problem, but you're too busy telling him all of your issues. And he's like, I want to help you with those issues, but you've got to quiet down a little bit. Shut your mouth. Listen. Other times, it's as simple as, Last night, I was really struggling with this message, and uh, I, it was hard. I just, I, I wasn't, my mind was so distracted, and my, my phone kept pinging, and so I just went out in my backyard, and uh, we have woods and all that, and I, like, poked around some golf balls, but I just silenced, and I listened to the birds, and eventually I just kind of stood there in the silence and the solitude of that moment, and God began to minister to me on what I needed to, to have to be able to bring this word today. Other times, it's in the morning. And it's hard work. We have toddlers. It's hard work. Silence and solitude is hard work. This is the time I, when I need my silence and solitude with Jesus, I'm okay with my kids watching a show. Let me tell you. We're going to put some screen time in front of you because I need some of my time with Jesus. I tell them how hey, I'm talking to Jesus. I'm spending time with Jesus. I let them know. Hey, i got to have this time. I want to lead by example in that. But whatever it takes, I would advise just really practical advice on this. Number one, make it regular. Turn off the noise, get away with God, even 15 minutes, even 20 minutes, an hour, make it regular. Find out what that looks like. Find out your rhythms of what's necessary, what you need to get away with God. Right? Again, Jesus didn't always do days away, but he would pull away regularly. We see this consistently. And my second tip would be actually get quiet. Literally turn it all off. Do not disturb power your phone off, whatever it takes. Actually do everything you can to actually get quiet. Um, even for me, I've found that uh, sometimes w listening to worship music too much, I start to just kind of pray whatever we're singing in the song, and it actually gets distracting. Like, turn off the music. Like, silence. Listen. Be in the silence. Actually get quiet. Turn it all off. Again, God, stop talking to me. No, maybe we are just aren't listening. Maybe we're not listening. We know that he showed up to Elijah in a gentle whisper. What if he's whispering? But there's so much static. There's so much noise. And I'll say this as well, really practical. Some is better than none. We're all in a different season of life. There are some of you that if you chose to, you could give four to five hours a day to silence and solitude if you wanted to. 
There's some of us that 15 minutes feels impossible, depending on our season of life. And can I encourage you, some is better than none. Make a practice of it. Find a way to do it. Get some accountability if you need it. Make it a discipline. Well, pastor, the first time I did it wasn't good. I didn't hear from God at all. That's why it's called a discipline. Keep at it. Keep at it. Don't let the enemy discourage you. That's why we're doing midweek. And so you're going to try in the next three days some silence and some solitude. Some of you are going to come to your table and be like, I got nothing. It was horrible. That's okay. Press through. We're going to encourage you. There's something on the other side. When you consistently do this, you're going to watch as God begins to consistently meet you where you're at. I'm so sorry that we went over today. Um, but I want to I pray. And, uh, and, and again, I encourage you, 7 p.m. Wednesday. Let's do this together. Let's get away with God this week. Let's get some silence. Let's get some solitude. Let's get some time with him and just respond. Don't come with an agenda. Just come with an open heart. Amen? Let me pray for you. Jesus, I just come right now, and I thank you for each and every one of us, Lord, that you're speaking to and you're guiding. Father, we know that we need this today. We need this today. We need our time with you. Help us to show what that is. Help us to come with no agenda. Help us to come and just hear from you, Jesus. I believe you're trying to speak to us. You're trying to lead us. You're trying to guide us. We've got to turn off the noise of the world. We've got to turn off all the chaos around us, all of the nonsense that keeps coming our way, and we need to clear our heads. So, Jesus, I pray a blessing on every single one of these amazing people in this room that are about to embark on this journey and give this a shot this week. Lord, I pray you'd meet them there. You'd show them your love for them there. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, everybody said,